thank you for this day. We do thank you that you have stirred in Mark something for us. So we pause and we ask, Lord, would you open our ears to hear you? What do you want to say to us? Pray a blessing over Mark, that he would settle into that sweet place like he's walking in the woods. Mm. And we're grateful, Lord. We're just so grateful we get to gather, celebrate who you are and what you did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Well, if you have your Bibles, you could open up to Matthew 21. I'm going to read one of the accounts. All the Gospels have accounts of today in it. Riding into Jerusalem, palm branches, the shouting of Hosanna. Here it is. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and placed their cloaks on it for Jesus to sit upon it. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road ahead, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of our Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? All these people lining the streets, hands raised, voices shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna, that cry of Psalm 118, it literally means, Save, please! But do they know who they shout to? Do they know what they're asking for? Do they really understand what this saving will require? Here now, before the crowd comes Jesus, humbly, riding on a borrowed donkey. What? I'm real kings, they, they ride horses, stallions, powerful and mighty like the Romans, don't they? It makes you wonder, who is this Jesus? That's the question, who is he? No other question holds so much for all of us, our lives, our eternity. Who is he? From the very beginning of the story, way back in Genesis, he's mentioned, he's promised. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. A victorious king promised, whose power crushes Satan's. Surely he'll be recognizable. Like Samson or King David. But this Jesus, he's largely lived as a carpenter from Nazareth. I mean, who is he? Yet he's moving through this crowd today. 
Many of them are lame, blind, needy. In times past, he might stop. Or someone just might reach out and touch him. Like the woman who had the issue of blood, but not today, not now. His head is down. His eyes look forward. He sees something. He knows something. He must do something. And that something presses him on past the crowds and their needs. Kings usually welcome the accolades. Jesus rides past them. Who is he? It isn't that Jesus hasn't hinted about it. His own cousin who baptized him shouted to the crowds, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But they weren't looking for a lamb today. No. They yearned for a lion. One who will heap vengeance upon these Romans. And what they want blinds them from who he truly is. It's always been that way. With all the messengers who tried to announce who this Jesus is and would be. It stirred controversy. It created tension. All these prophets, all these words declaring mind-bending, heart-mending truth. Didn't one of them, one of these prophets, plainly say that he had no beauty? or majesty to attract us. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. It doesn't sound much like a king to most of us. Just who is this Jesus? Usually the religious leaders will help us to recognize these things. True, they're not always unbiased, yet these Pharisees in this crowd seem completely unconvinced. They question, they accuse, they argue, they reject. Surely, a king would be more convincing, more compelling, even more demanding of their subjects. It really makes you wonder, who is this king? Oh, and the people he seems most concerned about? That's another story. The lepers? Thieves? Tax collectors? Prostitutes? Adulterers? The riffraff? A king would never associate with such obviously worthless people. And yet, this Jesus has chosen 12 very ordinary, obviously confused people to be his court. Jesus the king? It appears not. But then, who is he? Maybe that's why Nicodemus met with them privately at night. It's there that Nicodemus sought to understand, who are you? There, 
he discovers that in order to really see who this Jesus is, he needs to be born again. And Nicodemus leaves that conversation with his head reeling about kingdoms and seeing and being born again and the unnerving parallel that the Son of Man must be raised up even as Moses raised the snake in the wilderness. What does that mean? Who is this? It's not entirely surprising now, even those closest to him report that he's predicting his own arrest and his death even soon. Is this a king gone mad? A king defeated? A king who's seeking to surrender? Yet all these people welcome him as the triumphant king who saves. So, who is he? Even Jesus' own mother has heard distressing things about who he was right from his birth. Though her head swirled at the thought of mothering God's only son and all that that meant, she learned to treasure those things in her heart. Wise. Wise indeed. You see, something can be true, very true, even when we can't understand it. But for the Pharisees, today, they can't. They won't. They refuse to believe. They refuse to see. They say, how can anything good come from Nazareth? Isn't this an illegitimate son? Ha! We know where the Messiah will come from. We don't know where this guy came from. Yeah. True, old Pharisee. The operative phrase is, you don't know where this guy came from. Indeed, you don't. But honestly, truthfully, none of us really understand completely. We're talking about God. The almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful God. So when we say we see, and even when we use the right words to say it, we're limited by what we know, what we believe, or what we want. Like Martha. She sees Jesus could have healed her brother. She even sees him as the Messiah. But her view is short. It's shallow. It's limited. And it's about to get blown up. You see, Lazarus' death is a setup. So that not only Martha, but many will get a chance to see who he is. Perhaps that would enlarge their sense, their perspective, their hope their trust in him. So after four days in the grave, this Jesus comes and speaks three words. Lazarus, come out. 
Three small words rouse a man from death for four days. Raise him up. Stand him up. Infuse his dead body with resurrection life. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Peter had seemingly caught it. Jesus was surveying his students. Who do the people say I am? He heard their answers. Then, drilling down further, he asked them, And who do you say I am? Everyone looked away, hoping to avoid the piercing look of the master. Then, thankfully, once again, Peter spoke up. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. He says it. He says it. But does he understand it? You see, in just a short while, that same Peter will try to attempt to stop this king from riding on his final and paramount crusade. The very reason he's come to earth. Later, Peter outright denies he even knows him. Maybe that's true. Honestly, he doesn't know him yet. But this Jesus, this king, will circle back to make clear to Peter, Peter, this is what the Messiah looks like. This is what the Son of God is like. This is who I am. And now, here he is today riding into a city full of different people, each loaded with their own version of who he is. Some want him arrested. Some want him to heal. Some want him to create another miraculous feast. Some want him to grant the best seats in heaven to them. Yet, as a good king, he knows what they and we really need. He moves past all of that and courageously and determinedly rides towards the end to which he's been born. He's conquered blindness, infirmity. He's defeated leprosy and shame. But he is not done yet. He, he is not just a good king. He is the king of kings. And he's about to conquer death and sin and judgment once and for all, for all, this king is moving towards the crowning coronation where everything must bow its knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yet there's one thing the great king will not conquer. We must. It's for us to do. No, it's not our sin or our shame or our sickness. It's not our poverty or our past. It's our unbelief. It's who we say he is. Right here. 
right now. Right in the middle of our situation. Right in the middle of our circumstances. Who is he? We too can lock in on this one aspect of this king and we can miss his entrance that's bringing liberation to us right here and now. Are you troubled? Often when we're in trouble, we only look for a deliverer. That's what we want, we crave, we seek. Yet the king says to us, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Perhaps the king is enlarging our perspective, helping us to see more of who he really is. He is the king of kings who always rides into our circumstances and situations and brings exactly what we need. Can you see him? Who do you say he is?